Oh my God, fellow creepsters, this is Cindy. And after a couple months of procrastination, because I suck at speaking, especially when I know a bunch of you guys are going to hear it, but I must say I freaking love this group and being a part of it. You all are amazing. Anyway, I will stop rambling. Here is another episode of Sinister Sightings with the awesome Donna and Carrie to tell them. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Creep it real, people, and love to everybody because we all need a little love these days. Great to be a part of this group. Thanks, guys. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 131. And you just heard that intro by Cindy, and she is super sweet. It's been a tough, tough week, and we needed that love, that support. And hopefully, if y'all did too, y'all got that from her message. Yes, like Donna said, thank you so much, Cindy. And if you want to introduce an episode, head on over to patreon.com slash podcast. All right, let's just jump right in. Hey, ladies, Donna, Carrie, I have a super creepy story to tell y'all, but I need an intro. I'm Ellen, possibly the only 10-year-old listening. I'm all caught up, so I thought I would write in my second sinister sightings. Tell Colby, Bo, and Marley I said, hello, onto my story. I was camping with my family, and I wanted a freaking Toblerone candy bar. Sidebar, I hope I said that right. My mom said I was old enough that I could walk to the store. She gave me like five bucks. I was a dumb child and a guy said he had free doggies. I loved doggies. So I walked over there and I asked him, where are they? He said in his van. So I thought, this man is sus. So I said, first I needed to buy my Toblerone bar. He said they were sold out. Oh, okay. I go, you dumb. There's a window and they're fully stopped. (laughs) I ran in the store, grabbed my bar, scanned it, paid for it, and ran as fast as my subly legs could go. That's my story. And I'm glad Donna's okay. Love you, ladies. Bye, Ellen B. Oh my gosh, Ellen. Thank you so much. First of all, I love that. Like all the like, (laughs) that man is sus and you dumb. I'm here for this story. You did exactly like you should have done. And super props for being like, this is sus. Getting the fuck up out of there. Yeah. Can I say fuck to a 10-year-old? She listens to us. I think it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Ellen is one of us. Next one is hospital sightings. Hi, ladies. My brother told me about y'all's podcast a few weeks ago, and I have binged beyond belief. And I'm still trying to catch up. But I know I'm going to be bummed when I finally do. I love y'all so much. Anyways, my in-laws stayed with us this past month, and they were a bit bothered that I always had y'all playing because they'd get creeped out. But I don't care. Okay, let me get to my point. I listened to the listener tales, and hearing the stories other listeners tell made me realize I'm not crazy. Other people have seen shit too. Okay, here it goes. In February of 2013, I began working as a nursing assistant on the cardiac floor of a hospital in New Mexico. While working the day shift, there were several times I would be in a patient's room and in the corner of my eye, I would see someone standing in the doorway or slowly walking by. 
But of course, when I looked, there was no one there. One day, I kept seeing the shadow figure at the door of a patient we'll call Velma. She was young, about 27 or 28, and healthy, but was in for severely low blood pressure that began a few days prior. I checked on the patient's hourly and had just checked Velma's vital signs, and everything was perfect. It was nearing the end of my shift, and she called me to her room so I could shut the door because it kept opening, and she wasn't supposed to be getting out of bed unassisted. If she did get out of bed, a loud alarm would alert the nursing station. I closed the door and walked away, and behind me, I heard the doorknob spring back, and the door creaked open slowly. There was no one around that could have opened the door, and Velma's alarm did not go off, but I went in to check on her. She just shrugged her shoulders and said, leave it open. And as I was turning around to walk out, I saw what I thought was a person walk right by me. I jumped and gasped so loud because I didn't hear anyone walk in. Then I realized there was no one there. She laughed and asked if I was okay and saw that she had not noticed anything. So I laughed and left on the verge of peeing my pants. I told myself it was probably just a floater in my eye or something. My shift ended and I left for the night. When I came in the next morning, I found out that she had died that night. We later found out she died from internal bleeding and she passed away in her sleep. No other patients had issues with that door opening and I didn't see shadows at the door for a few weeks. Fast forward a few more weeks and I moved to night shift. On night shift, we leave the hallway lights on and turn the lights off in the patient's room so they can get whatever rest possible. We had a new elderly patient we'll call Henry. Immediately, his personality won everyone's hearts. He was the funniest and most sweet man I have ever met. He was in for chest pain and was just going to be in for a couple of days to be monitored. The first night went well and most of the second night as well. That is, until it returned. I was checking blood pressures in Henry's room, and there's a shadow of someone standing in the doorway. I look up, and there's no one casting the shadow. I look down, and it's gone. I'm freaking out because I just knew. I walked out the door to see if I could catch someone walking off, but there was no one there. It was almost 5 a.m. and our shift swapped at 6, so I asked Henry if he would like to chat while I drank my coffee. We sat and talked for a few minutes, and he was so excited to be going home to see his grandkids. He missed them so much and hated being away for any amount of time. I told him goodbye and told him I would miss him since he was being discharged that day. When I left the room, he waved from the little recliner and smiled. That night, I came in and found out he had slipped in the bathroom and broke his hip. My heart ached for him because he was going to be away from the kids even longer. That night went as good as it could. He was on pain medication because he had to wait till the following day for surgery. I was off for two nights and I worried about him the whole time. When I came back to work, he looked defeated. He told me, don't get old, with a tear in his eye. That night was the worst. I kept his entryway light on in hopes of keeping the shadow away. But there it was, standing in the doorway on my midnight round, the perfect silhouette that belonged to no one. 
I did my best to ignore it and in my head kept praying for it to go away. Ask the monitor room to keep an eye on his heart monitor and let me know if anything looked out of the ordinary. On my 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. rounds, it was there. I got mad at myself and I thought I was freaking myself out because I was paranoid Henry was going to die. But I couldn't shake the feeling and I couldn't stop seeing the shadow. As I was starting my 4 o'clock rounds, I got a phone call to check on Henry because his monitor's batteries might have died. I got chills down my spine and walked as fast as I could to his room while holding back my tears because I just knew. I walked in and he was not breathing and had no pulse. I hit the alarm for the nursing station, but since he had a DNR order, a do not resuscitate, we couldn't do CPR or try to bring him back. I was mad as hell. I yelled at the monitor room tech for not notifying me sooner, but they swore they called as soon as they saw changes on his screen. It was a blood clot that killed Henry. I put in my two weeks a few days after because I knew I would not be able to handle that again. It happened one more time on my very last night, but the elderly woman saw it too. She waved at it while I was checking her blood pressure and said, It's my time, with a smile on her face. I could feel it standing there. I didn't turn around. She passed away early that following morning. I only worked there from February until July. I know death comes hand in hand with working at a hospital, but seeing that thing and realizing that you know it's going to happen is something I couldn't handle. It was creeping it real, and I did get scared. Anyway, thank you for reading this. Hope it wasn't too long. Still scared, Anna. Holy camoly. I have no idea how y'all do what y'all do because that is so hard. I'm such an emotional person and I get attached very easily. So I could not do that job. 100% could not do that job. When it's like, because you've seen it, now you know. And it's like, what do you do? You literally could do nothing for him. He had a DNR, all that. And it's like, but you knew it was coming. Yeah. I feel like at least the last person, she was at peace and she saw it and she was like, it's my time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. God, that is an amazing story. That really is. And you did all you could. Like, hey, monitor him. Notify me. You know, like you were trying to prep as much as you could. Gosh, that's so hard. Okay, the next one is called, That one time my friend almost hooked up with a wannabe serial killer inspired by Dexter. Hey, ladies, I don't know if you want to cut this part out, but my all-time favorite thing after work is lighting up a big old bowl of weed and binging your podcast. You guys are hilarious. <laughs> Maybe it's the weed that makes us funny, so you keep doing you. <laughs> yeah, I want you to try to be like, you know, smoke your weed and then listen to this <laughs> on like <laughs> 2.0 and see how funny it is. <laughs> or 0.5, because that would be funny. Oh, gosh. Okay, anyways, on to the spooky stuff, they said. 2019, my friend had just gotten divorced and had a really hard time with it. So when she suggested we go out for a night on the town, who was I to say no? Now, normally, I'm not about those creepy dudes that just linger around our table and usually shoot them a glare or just tell them off in general. Well, my friend, I'll call her Lola, for privacy purposes, seemed to really be hitting it off with this guy, and he was actually nice. I didn't mind him hanging around. Later on, a couple he had gone out with made their way over, and we were having a great time. The girl he had come with was going on about how they had been friends since childhood, 
and we wouldn't meet a nicer person than him and really pushing him onto my friend. Now, my little red flag slightly started to wave, but maybe she was just excited for him and I know Lola really needed this slight confidence boost. So I just kept taking back my tequila shots and was dancing my ass off. As the night ended, they said their goodbyes, exchanged numbers, and a sweet kiss. All was well, and I was able to go home drunkenly, smash some Taco Bell, and fall into a blissful sleep. Cut a few hours later, I was being shaken awake frantically by Lola with a look of pure horror and her phone being shoved in my face. I was pretty annoyed, but played along. Now, Lola is a background slash I'm a find your ass type of person when it comes to people, and boy, did she find him. Turns out, this guy was stalking a man and plotting to kill him. He was inspired by the show Dexter, and when he couldn't find anyone to fit the total theme, he just settled on some guy he saw one day. Learned the man's routine, followed him home, would sleep outside of his house in his car, and had a full-on murder kit in the trunk. I was fully out of my hangover slump at this point and had full-on goosebumps. We had just told this man where we were from, worked, etc., She shot him a quick text saying she hopes he doesn't have the wrong idea and she wasn't looking for anything yet and blocked him. Story over? Nope. This motherfucker sends both of us friend requests on Facebook. Mind you, neither of us told him our last names. We instantly blocked him in hopes that it would get the message across loud and clear. A few weeks of burner numbers, texting, and half-assed random friend requests, it just stopped. Cut to a few weeks later... I come across his Tinder profile and location that was far too close to us, so I reported him to Tinder. I don't want anyone getting hurt, and yuck. I even attached a link to articles proving this guy's nuts. They banned me for slander. His name is Andrew. For all my single ladies in the Minnesota area, please be aware who you are talking to. If you happen to cross him, things got really scary for a while. Creep it real and stay safe, everyone. Wait, 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 wait. Tinder blocked you for slander after you literally provided proof that this guy stalked someone? Like, you had the fucking receipts. <laughs> like, cute Real Housewives fucking reunion, you had the receipts. Right? Like, I can understand if you're like, this guy's cray cray and just kept doing that over and over. Okay, okay, okay. But you literally gave them information and it's not like you're like slandering him all over the world like you're literally like reporting his profile Mm -hmm. how's that slander maybe i don't maybe i need to go back to law school because i did not learn that me either Whew, I'm glad that your friend is safe, and I hope that that man that he was stalking is safe, and everybody just be careful out there, man. Yes. I love when you say that, man. <laughs> <laughs> you don't always do it, but when you do, it it hits different. What, you drink a Dos Equis? <laughs> you don't always do it, but when you do? Yeah, man. <laughs> also, I think why it might have popped up, I'm, I'm not saying, because he obviously knew how to stalk, but... Like the friend request stuff, you know, and not knowing your last name. If you have your number associated with your Facebook account, sometimes it'll be like people you may know will pop up because I've had that happen where it's like a guy from Tinder or something and I had no idea what his last name was, but it's like people you may know, you know, kind of found out like one was married one time by that. And I was like, "Hmm, don't link your number. But I mean, also do because then you get to find out who 
is a creeper who is a liar and a cheater and all of that. But just for your safety, you might not want to link it. Yeah, don't link your number. Don't link your contacts. Don't link any of that shit. Next one is the ghostly party to welcome my newborn. Hi, my best friends. I've been meaning to write you because I have so many stories to tell, but I keep getting sidetracked. Before I get into my story, I wanted to say thank you for creating a community that has truly helped me through this horrible year. I love having friends and a social life where people don't think I'm crazy. Anyway, now to the good good. So I'm a sensitive and have had experiences my whole life. Well, at the end of 2012, my brother-in-law died of kidney failure. He was only 24. Oh, God. Six months later, my mother-in-law died of heart failure. She was heartbroken at the loss of her baby, and we believe she just gave up. She died of a broken heart. Yeah. It was a very difficult time for my husband and our family. Well, one month before she died, I had just had my youngest daughter. My baby was literally one month old to the day when her grandma died. It was about two weeks after she died when I fell asleep with my oldest, who was six, sleeping in the bed with me, and the baby was in her crib next to the bed. I woke up to the sound of a party going on in the yard. I was super annoyed because I was afraid the noise would wake up the baby. As I sit up, I see a line of people waiting to enter the restroom. As I focus, I see a little old lady smoking in the line. I clearly saw the red glare of the lit cigarette. And I start to say, who the hell is smoking in the room with the baby? I'm getting all mad and I look at the other people in the line. And I don't recognize the old lady, but she's standing next to someone who looked like my husband's aunt. And next to her is my aunt who disappeared when I was six. Long story of domestic abuse. And next to her was my brother-in-law. And at the end of the line was my mother-in-law. I start to talk to my mother-in-law saying, Allah, her name is Yolanda. What are you doing here? You're dead. I miss you. I say this over and over as I'm sobbing. She doesn't leave the line, but she says, It's okay, mama. We just wanted to see the baby. Go back to sleep. Shh. Just go back to sleep. I love you. Shh. Now, just go back to sleep. As she's saying this, I start to lay back down and close my eyes as I'm crying. Well, in the morning, I didn't remember right away. But when I was walking home from dropping my oldest off at school, it just came back to me. I started to cry and ran home with my baby in the pouch to call my husband. After I told him, he said the little old lady must have been his great-grandma who smoked a pack a day and drank a tall boy of Coors every day till she died at 95. He said it makes sense that the family was having a welcome baby party and that I was blessed to be able to see everyone. Well, this incident has opened a path of communication to my mother-in-law that is the clearest I've ever had. She comes to me in dream visitations regularly, and the activity always increases around birthdays and holidays. Just recently, I woke up because I thought my husband was stroking my cheek as I slept. We all have COVID, and I was feeling extra miserable at this moment. So I woke up thinking it was my husband, but as I look, he has one hand around my waist and the other under his pillow. As I'm staring at him, I still feel the hand on my face, and I just knew it was my mother-in-law, and I heard a whisper of, it's going to be okay. Anyway, I'm sorry for this memoir. I hope it wasn't too long or confusing. 
Thank you so much, ladies, and love everything you do. Creep it real and feel free to use my name, Vanessa A. That's so sweet. So sweet. And you know what I think about too? My first my first thought was, it's so amazing that you had that relationship with your mother-in-law. Like I watch all these yeah. TikToks. I don't know how I got on toxic mother-in-law TikTok <laughs> because Colby's mom is pure as gold. Like she is amazing. Like I could not have lucked out more when it comes to a future mother-in-law. Yeah. And so I don't know how I ended up on toxic mother-in-law talk, but the things that people go through with their mother-in-laws, just the toxicity and the, I mean, so that was so heartwarming to know, like, she come, she comes to you and she comforts you. And yeah. I don't know, that just warmed my heart, too. Yeah. Nobody has a party whenever uh, I'm around like that. <laughs> I love that they were, they were all standing in line to the bathroom, though. Still a thing, even in the afterlife. Still on brand for us. Yes. Okay, the next one. Hey, y'all, I've been wanting to send you this sinister sightings for a while now. It's harrowing. And when I say it hits so close to home, I am not being hyperbolic in the least. Okay, here goes. In my mid-20s, I worked as an assistant manager at a retail store. I was moved to one store that was located in a rather unsavory place in my city. I was hotter than fish grease when the general manager decided to put me there. He assured me it would only be temporary and I'd be able to get my own store soon. So, girded my loins and took the job. Rent had to be paid, y'all. Temporary was much longer than I liked. This location was like the seventh circle of hell. People were stealing left and right. The store manager couldn't manage much of anyone or anything. She didn't know how to properly schedule based on the time of day or night. Night being the operative word here, folks. Keep in mind, we are in a high-risk, dimly-lit plaza. The rule was that no one was to be on duty alone, and they sure as shiitake mushrooms were not supposed to close the store by themselves. Let's put a pin in that for a moment. Shiitake mushrooms. Love it. We had an employee. Let's call him Marvin. Marvin and I got along well. He wasn't the most dedicated employee and worked at a snail's pace at everything. It was so frustrating for the store manager and myself because we had so much to do, plus be on the lookout for shoplifters and people who tried to scam us. However, he was one of the employees who could work the most hours, so it was usually the manager, Marvin, and myself on duty. The store manager was a nice enough lady, to me, but she was constantly nagging Marvin because of his glacial pace. I used a different approach with him, aka being a decent freaking person, and was firm yet patient. We had a job to do, but I'm not going to act like a royal crotch flea just because I held a slightly higher position. One day, he said, I like working with you because you treat me like a human being. That is so sad, right? I didn't know things were so bad with him and her until he said that to me. I guess because of that, I was even more soft with him because I didn't want to be that boss. One day, a shoplifter pulled a stunt when Marvin and I were working together while the store was super busy. I, being naive and frustrated about having to call the cops and freeze a line of a billion customers, okay, now I'm being hyperbolic, called for Marvin to lock the doors and not let him go. This shoplifter had so many bottles of shampoos and soap stuffed down his pants. It totaled to be a pretty hefty amount. Anyway, the dude was begging for us to let him go because he was on parole and his mom was waiting for him in the parking lot. How are you going to steal shampoos and soaps? I don't know. I was amped up like gangbusters because store shrinkage was 
one of the reasons I was asked to come to this location and my promotion was on the horizon. Now that I'm older and wiser, I know it was not wise to have an employee engage a shoplifter. Anyway, this guy gets in a tussle with Marvin and I'm panicking because I don't know how things go down in the streets. No one trained me for this. I joined the chaos, calmed the dude, and the cops finally arrived. A few days later, Marvin was to be on duty, but never showed. I called him, and he said he broke his arm in the ruckus with Sticky Fingers McGee. I'm not a doctor, but we worked the rest of that shift together, and he was slinging boxes and ringing up customers with no problem. So I'm confident in saying that Marvin's arm was not broken. The manager calls him back, and he doesn't pick up. This lady proceeds to call this man back to back like it was going to change something. She finally got me to call him and let him know that he was fired. So Marvin was a no-show and that sucked for yours truly because his not coming in meant that I had to stay and work in his place. Bummer. However, the manager told me to go home because I would have worked way too many hours and payroll couldn't cover my pay in comparison to his. I was like, are you sure, sis? Because that meant she would have been alone in this store in a bad neighborhood. And did I mention the lighting was total crap? Because it was. I take it back home and decide to have a fun night at the fair with my sister and brother-in-law. After screaming my head off on some crazy rides I was bribed to go on, my phone rings. I didn't recognize the number, but I pick up. It was the motherfucking police. They asked me to come to the store because there had been an incident. The store manager had been attacked. My stomach drops right out of my hindquarters. My sister had to drive me to the store. The officer warned me before going in, watch out for the blood. But no warning could have prepared me for this shit. When I tell you blood was pulled at the entrance, blood was trailed all the way back to the back of the store and into the storeroom where the worst of it seemed to be. And more blood was in the office. I had to come in and check things out. And I'm terrified. Blood was on my shoes. I'm leaving Converse prints all over. I'm about to lose my funnel cakes all over the crime scene. They asked me about Marvin and the last time I saw or spoke with him. They asked about my interactions with him. They asked about his personality. All the questions. And then they told me about the incident. The manager had closed the store by herself. Upon locking up, she went to the back with the money. Apparently, Marvin was hiding in the storeroom behind some boxes, jumped out with a knife, and began stabbing this lady. He slashed her neck and face horribly. He brutally raped and sodomized her, bit her breasts like he was trying to chew them off, stole the money, and dashed out the back doors. She dragged herself to the office and called 911, and then made her way to the feminine products to put maxi pads on her neck to try to stop the bleeding. Somehow she made her way to the front of the store and laid outside until someone could find her. Thank God she lived. The next day, the store was closed for cleanup. I told my general manager that I was never ever going back there. It was traumatic as hell. That shit gave me nightmares. After a few days, I was sent to another store where I got the manager position. I got my promotion, but I couldn't celebrate it. The manager came to visit me at my store a month or so later. Her poor face was slashed so badly. She went to details about the attack, which is how I know the extent of the rape and the biting. She showed me the marks that were still there. She ended up retiring and moving across the country with her son. Marvin was put in prison, of course. He had been planning this attack for a while. I guess he knew her habit of closing the store alone, and he knew that I wouldn't be there. But what if I had been there? What would have happened? He had an accomplice 
as his getaway driver. So would that person have gotten involved or would I have been spared because I treated him like a human? Well, that's my story. I'm sorry it's so long. I really understand if it doesn't even make it. I'm just glad to be able to get this off my chest after 15 years. Love you both, Mimi. Holy shit. That is terrifying. That's beyond terrifying. I'm like, and that manager, she should be on an I Survived episode because holy shit. I need to, I, I don't even know what to say. It does remind me of an I Survived you did mm-hmm. from like a Dollar General. A was Dollar it? General, yep. I'm like, what, what store you work at? Mm-hmm. I just want to know because I'm nosy, but. <laughs> well, I was ima- imagining a Walmart. I don't know why. I was too, but it wouldn't have been one person. It would have been something like a Dollar mm-hmm. General. But I also want to know what town. You can just tell us. You don't have to tell everybody else. <laughs> well, it's 15 years ago. She probably doesn't do that anymore. So tell everyone. Wow. I'm so glad that you're safe. And I'm so glad that that general manager made it out alive. The next one is Sinister Sightings in Russia. Hello, I love to listen to your listener stories and draw. Thank you so much for your podcast. Keep doing you. Firstly, I apologize for my English. I was born in a different country. In the back of the 90s, my family moved overseas to Russia and stayed in a townhouse in Moscow, Russia. The townhouse we lived in was haunted. No surprise. I heard Russia has a lot of ghost stories. From the beginning, my cat always fought and chased and ran with an invisible thing. He even fell from the stairs. Can you imagine a cat that fell from the stairs? No way. I was ignoring it from the beginning, but it got worse. During the daytime, there was always someone who ran up and down the stairs. It always happened when I was alone. I thought maybe it was a neighbor. One time, my spouse and I were chatting late at night and heard someone walking right outside of our bedroom door. The door was closed, but we knew it was right outside of our bedroom door. We checked and there was no one. Then we continued chatting and it happened again. It sounded like someone was wearing slippers and walking and dragging them. That's the worst. Pick up your fucking feet. (laughs) We checked again, but there was no one. There were many more sightings that happened, but the scariest one was when I was sleeping in the living room during the daytime. I woke up, but couldn't open my eyes, but it felt like some energy pressured down my eyelids. I was scared and wanted to leave the room. I started walking slowly, and it opened immediately after a few minutes as if nothing happened. Another day, my living room light blew and shattered and burned down to the carpet. It was terrifying. Stay safe, Mimi. Two Mimis. Two Mimis. Mimi, Mimi. Look, cats land on their feet. I don't even have cats. Never <laughs> had a cat. And I fucking know that cats land on their feet. They don't fall from steps. That's weird as shit. <laughs> and I'm not trying to fucking pick up glass from right? a damn ball busting. Uh-uh. And then because you do have a pet and cats are nosy as shit. And you know I always walk around with sock feet. Ooh, cool. Ooh. <laughs> Donna will always have on shoes. Always. I'm the person with the slippers dragging them. Yeah, and I'm like, pick up your fucking feet! (laughs) Okay, the next one. Hey, Donna and Carrie, I'm a new listener after hearing about your story on another paranormal podcast and wanted to share a little story with you. I'll admit from the start that it's anticlimactic, but as someone who's always been interested in and believes in the paranormal, this experience has always stuck with me. Back in 1999, My then-husband and I were in Fort Lauderdale with his work. His company had rented a little shotgun house for us to stay in for the three to four months we'd be there. 
It wasn't anything fancy, and it was literally walk into the den with the kitchen behind, bedroom behind that, and bedroom taking up the back with that door visible from the front door. Cute, quaint, and definitely wrong. We head back to the bedroom to unpack, and as soon as my foot goes past the bedroom door, I'm overcome with a feeling of dread, negativity, and without wanting to sound cliche, foreboding. My body did not want to enter this room. My husband was all, don't be silly, etc. But not long after he fell asleep, I went and slept on the couch, and the next day, I stood my case. I will not be sleeping in that room and got him to move the bed into the den. So in this small space, we had a king-size bed, couch, and TV slash entertainment set up. We slept there in the den the whole time. Headboard was facing the front door. We had to keep our clothes in the bedroom, however, so I'd get in and get out as fast as I could with that day's outfit and get dressed in the bathroom. Never in my life before or after have I felt anything like what I felt in that bedroom, and I've stayed in claimed haunted houses and hotels. I've even slept in Lizzie Borden's bed. Didn't bother me. But there was something in this room, and it was bad, and it did not want us in that room. But the rest of the house was totally fine and normal, chipper even. It's hard to explain, but it was like every fiber in my body shouting, no, get out, all at the same time whenever I stepped foot in the bedroom. I'd love to find out what happened there, but it was so long ago. I don't remember any details to Google, and that isn't the most memorable paranormal experience. I didn't see anything, but I didn't have to, to know that some shit went down in that room, and it did not want visitors. Thank you for reading and doing your awesome podcast. All the best to you in 2021, Tara R. Oh my gosh, no. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Nope, 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 nope. As Carrie says, nope, don't like that. No, not at all. Don't like it at all. Also, you slept in Lizzie Borden's bedroom? How you do that? You got friends in high places. <laughs> okay, last one. Hey, guys. It isn't long since I first sent an email. Well, I just want to share an experience as I'm currently listening to today's cast. My boyfriend has been living in a two-story house for like half his life. We've been together for almost three years. It all started when I visited him for the first time. I felt an odd presence. I kept telling him something feels weird. See, I can feel ghosts and spirits and so on, so sometimes things really scare me. The night I slept over at his house, I noticed one of the windows doesn't have bars, and later that night, around 12, I woke up to the sound of a child's feet running down the stairs. That morning, I told him what happened, and he said that before they moved in the house, a child fell through that window and died. That window's on the second floor. Since that, growls come from the closet, things fall over for no reason, and things move, but when you check, it's still in the same place. I've also seen shadows of children. Creep it real, AJ. P.S. I forgot to mention I'm from South Africa. Don't know if that's important, lol. <laughs> uh, it is to us. It is to us, yes. We love knowing where y'all are from. Also, like with the bars on the windows and stuff, that, that makes sense. Only from, like, all the stories I hear from, like, Cape Town and stuff on Let's Not Meet. <laughs> I'm I'm no South African expert. You don't say. <laughs> growls from the closet, though? No, thank you. No, no, no. Yeah, no growls from the closet needed. And, like, why he didn't have bars on the windows? Because that one was replaced. 
Yeah, but put the bars on there. <laughs> well, what really makes me mad is when you when it said things are moved, but when you look for them, they're back in their original place. Uh uh-uh. uh. Don't make me. Don't make me. No. Yeah, it's because you're going to make me second guess myself. And you're going to think I'm cr- I'm going to think I'm crazy. And uh-huh. then you send me on a wild goose chase. No, thank you. Yeah. No. But what I do say thank you is this. Thank you for all of these awesome emails. Y'all, they were so great. We love reading them. We love knowing where you're from. And keep sending in your spooky stuff. Because like y'all all said, you're not alone. Lots of people experience stuff every single day. And it's nice to know that other people are going through what you're going through. And thank y'all so much for the personal true crime stories, too. They mean yes. a lot as well. Yes. So send in your stories, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared. Oh, just so you know, this is in January. <laughs>